You're listening to a podcast from West Wind Church. For more information, visit our website at westwindchurch.org. All right. Well, good morning. Great to see you. Happy Thanksgiving. Turn to the person next to you and say, Happy Thanksgiving. All right, and at home, we welcome you, live worship. So really, on behalf of the elders and staff, we are praying and trusting you have a great Thanksgiving week. You know, the first recorded Thanksgiving goes back to 1610 in America. We're in Jamestown. There's 409 settlers. Try to picture yourself settling the Americas. And then a harsh winter hit. And the attrition was remarkable. 409 in that community was whittled down to 60. And it was painful. And what did the people do there in Jamestown? They prayed. The ships came from England. Supplies were provided. Food was there. But folks, they didn't celebrate a feast as we will this coming week. They bowed their heads to God. They kneeled down in prayer. And they thanked the Lord that they survived. You know, you fast forward to uh, the Civil War, one of the more difficult times in American history. It's 1863 in the Battle of Gettysburg, and one of the most bloodiest battles in all of American history, and what takes place? The President of the United States, Abraham Lincoln, inaugurates the first Thanksgiving holiday. And many years later, we continue to celebrate that. Why do I share those two mini stories with you? Because Thanksgiving came out of pain, came out of suffering and loss. And sometimes we look at the pain and suffering in our life as a negative. You go back to Jamestown 1610, as they bowed their heads towards heaven, as they trusted God as a people to provide for their every needs, they offered thanks. You look at one of the darkest times in American history, the Civil War, and what happened, the Thanksgiving holiday we celebrate this week. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Luke 17, and we're going to look at a painful passage. Sometimes it's hard as we read the Bible to put ourselves into other people's shoes, but I want you to try to do that this morning. Try to put yourself in the shoes of those who were living 2,000 years ago in what we're going to call a leper colony, a leper community. And out of the pain, out of the suffering, out of the loss, boy, we're going to see some beautiful things regarding praise and thanksgiving to God. So Luke 17, and what I want to do this morning, I just want to read through the passage, comment a little bit, give you kind of a big picture overview, and then we'll dive into the very specifics of the teaching. So follow along with me, Luke 17, uh, verses 11 through 13 to start. While traveling to Jerusalem, Jesus passed between Samaria and Galilee, As he entered a village, ten men with serious skin diseases met him. They stood at a distance. They raised their voice saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Folks, notice the protocol that Luke describes. Here's a leper colony standing at a distance outside of their communities, outside of their homes, not with their loved ones, shouting out to Jesus, Jesus, have mercy. These are people who are outcast. 
This is the heart of Luke to care for the marginalized, the broken in society, that the gospel reaches down to the very uh, depths of, of pain in our life. And so here's these men crying out to Jesus. We continue on, verse 14. When Jesus saw them, he told them, go and show yourselves to the priest. It's such a remarkable statement. Now, you might, might ask, why priests? Basically, in the ancient world, the priests were designated as health care consultants. I think that's a, a real term. All you have to do is read Leviticus 13 and 14. You're going to see if you had a skin disease like this, if you were quarantined, if you will, if you were outcast, what you would do is if you thought you were healed, you would go show yourself to the priest, the health care consultants, and they would say, yes, you're healed. You can go back home. You could go back into the community. You can re-engage society and your family. A beautiful thing. Now, continuing on, verses 14 through 16. And while they were going, notice what happens. Boom, they were healed. But one of them seeing, and that's a key word, we'll get to it later, that he was healed, returned. And with a loud voice, notice his response here, folks. This is all about response. He gave glory to God. He fell face down at his feet, thanking him. And notice the next phrase, don't miss this, or you miss the point of Luke. And he was who? He was a Samaritan. Luke has already told us about the Samaritans. Again, outcast, hated by the Jews, half-breeds, and the list goes on and on. Isn't it interesting? Ten are healed, and by inference, the other are Jewish lepers, and only one, a Samaritan, the least likely says, Thank you, Lord. Thank you for blessing me. And then finally, verses 17 through 19, then Jesus said, look at the question. We're not ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Didn't any return to give glory to God except, notice the word, this foreigner, this Samaritan, this outcast, this marginalized in Jewish society? And Jesus told them, get up. Go on your way, and what a beautiful phrase. This is the fourth time, folks, we've seen this in Luke. Your faith has made you whole. Please hear me, folks. God honors faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. He who comes to God must believe that he is. He'll reward those who diligently seek him. Your faith has made you whole. How strong is your faith this Thanksgiving holiday? Do you have faith in the one who can save you and can heal you? Holistically, as we're going to see. What a beautiful picture. Now, I hope you feel the tension in this passage. Can you imagine? I want to try to contemporize what's going on here. Can you imagine? And God forbid, you're in a hospital with COVID-19, and it's serious. You're on a respirator, right? And you're in a ward, and it's serious for the rest of those on the floor, but you have a Christian doctor, and he's caring for you. He's nurturing you through the, the medical processes, but he's also praying. And can you imagine one day he comes in, he says, you know what, I'm going to specifically pray for 10 patients that I'm caring for with COVID-19 that's severe. And that morning he goes from room to room. He cares and he prays. And miraculously that afternoon, all 10 of those COVID-19 patients are healed. And so a day or so later, they're being discharged. They're gathering their goods, their families are coming to pick them up. And one of the tents says, hey, I want, I want to stop by Dr. Jones' office and, and say thank you. 
And he stops by, he says to the doctor, thank you, not only for caring for me, but for praying for me. God healed me, but the other nine grabbed their goods, went home. That's the picture here, folks. It's unthinkable to be cured of such a debilitating disease in the ancient world and not offering thanks. But only one of ten, the most unlikely a Samaritan gives thanks. You know what it suggests about you and I? We struggle to be people of appreciation. We struggle to say thank you for the blessings we have vertically and horizontally. And boy, we should give attention this Thanksgiving to turn our Thanksgiving week into thanksgiving. Wouldn't it be great that this week becomes a pattern for 52 weeks? That one day this Thursday, Thanksgiving becomes a pattern for 365 days of thanksgiving. And so that's the title of the message. Turning our thanksgiving into thanksgiving. So let's take a look. If you have your Connect cards, they're on the, the chair. I'd love for you to take those out. Always encourage taking notes. Thankfully, at home, you're watching. You can download the digital guide. We have a sermon outline. Why notes? It just keeps you connected, something to refer to a little bit later. But I'd love to start with the blessing, and the blessing's beautiful, folks. Each one of us can turn our thanksgiving into thanksgiving by continually responding to the goodness of God in our life. I hope today you see that God is good and that his favor, his blessing is upon you even this very day. But four things, four responses we're going to see. But before we get into responses, here's my biggest challenge. And it's to children, youth, and adults. You know what I asking God will happen in each one of our lives, that we today will choose to be the one. Be the one out of the ten. Be the one who sets the pace in our homes and in our marriages and in our communities to express appreciation. Children, here's the encouragement. Be the one among your siblings to say, hey, mom, dad, thank you for blessing me. Spouses, be the one to take the initiative to thank your spouse for who they are and the blessing they are in your marriage. Individuals, we have some really cool neighbors. Be the one in your neighborhood to thank your neighbors for being just friendly, for being kind. We love living in our neighborhood and want to express that appreciation. Be the one to be the person of thanksgiving. So four responses this morning. Let's take a look. Response number one, be the one who expresses gratitude for the providence of God. Gratitude for the providence of God. And you know, folks, sometimes we miss the basics in life. This is foundational right now. Can I give you a definition of providence? Providence is God's care and God's attention given to us proactively or beforehand. In other words, Providence is something God already preordained that would happen in your life and mine. It's called sovereignty. It's called he's seated on the throne and he's already working on our behalf. And providence comes in the basics of life and the most profound things in life. Well, let's take a look at the passage. Look at Luke 17, 11, just the first few verses. While traveling to Jerusalem, he passed between Samaria and Galilee, and he entered a village, 10 men with the serious skin disease, notice this next phrase, met him. Why do I say providence here? 
Folks, there's so much going on, so much that Jesus provided these lepers. But I would suggest this, that this is a divine appointment. And why do I say it's a divine appointment? Remember, Jesus is coming from Galilee. He's going south through Samaria, heading to Judea, and going to Jerusalem. Every time Jesus is on the road traveling, headed to Jerusalem, really we have to think in terms of Calvary. Jesus isn't going to Jerusalem as a pilgrim. He's not a tourist. He's not just going to hang out in the holy city. He is going there because that's his destiny. He came to give his life a ransom for many. If you have your Bibles, look at Luke 19.10. His mission statement is summarized in Luke 19.10. The Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. I have a deep conviction about this passage. Folks, this isn't circumstance. This isn't happenstance. He didn't just kind of stumble across 10 lepers in a leper community. This is intentional. Jesus is showing up to preach the gospel. And boy, oh boy, you're going to see some beautiful things as we conclude this passage. You know, I thought back in my own life about divine appointments, and I look for them quite often because I think God shows up in very unique ways. But here's one of the first divine appointments I ever experienced, and I wasn't yet a Christian. I'm about 18 years old uh, now, and, and I'd worked for a contractor for three years, thought I'd kind of be his right-hand guy, and maybe the business would turn over. I had to walk off the job site because things fell apart. I was dating a gal that I really cared for all throughout high school. We broke up. And then the kicker was at age 18, because I dishonored my dad, he kicked me out of the house. And I was alone and I was broken. And I'll never forget just driving down the highway all alone, town line road, driving, emotional tears, and a car passes me and I look, it's Tom, Ellen's brother. Unbeknownst to me, Tom had become a Christian. We used to run together. We used to party together. He pulls over. I pull over. He said, man, what's going on? You don't look so good. Tell them what happened. He says, well, Keith, I got your back. If you need a place to stay, you can stay with us. When I look back over 40 years ago, and I see the divine hand and providence of God, how interesting, in the most broken time of my life, hurting, emotional, separated from my employer, my girlfriend, my family, and all of a sudden, God shows up. I got your back. You need a place to stay. You can stay with us. Friends, I want to encourage you. Here's the phrase I use all the time for my own life. Eyes wide open. What does that mean? Every day, when you launch your day with eyes wide open, you're looking for the providence of God in your life. And when you see his hand, guess what? You're going to stand in awe of him, and you're going to be a person of thanksgiving. We want to share some stories of thanksgiving just to reflect on the providence of God in our life. So we have some stories from uh, our faith family. Let's, let's take a look. Well, happy Thanksgiving, Westwind Church. Ellen and I want to express our appreciation to you. And one thing that really stands out for both of us is the idea of treasuring Christ. And so when we think about that, Jesus says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so we see this treasure evidenced in your generosity, your love for God as you give your time, treasure, talent, and touch. 
And so as we uh, went through just a beautiful season, looking forward to the Westbrook property, we saw your treasuring Christ all the more. So thank you and have a wonderful Thanksgiving. We're the Bisgards and we're thankful this year. I'm thankful for friends. I'm thankful for family. I'm thankful for the peace that God gives us and knowing that we can lean on him when things are tough and not have to feel anxious. And I'm thankful for all the people that get to go on the journey of life together with us and help us when we do feel anxious and remind us to pray. Happy Thanksgiving, Westwind. I am so grateful for a father in heaven who knows and loves me. Even though I am a sinner, he loves me. I'm never alone. And I am so grateful for that. I'm grateful for a savior who's walked this earth and understands the struggles we have. And I'm saved. I am grateful for God's creation because I love being in the outdoors and it's so good for my soul. And I am also thankful for my children's teachers because they are amazing. This season, I think when we have to be apart, I'm really extra thankful for my family, that I can see them, for technology to see them, and the same for friends because it makes things not seem quite so lonely as they are, as I'm sure everybody else recognizes. Um, really um, uh, excited about the church building, um, but I think more than that, I'm just thankful for the church and all the people that we know there, uh, what they've meant to us, the support um, that they have given us. Roscoe. Who is Roscoe? I'm right here, huh? I'm Roscoe. I'm Roscoe. Well, as we think of thankfulness, uh, Hebrews 6.19 comes to mind where the author writes that we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. And we're just thankful that we have that hope. We're thankful for that hope. But we're also thankful that the Christ has given us that hope through other people, through communities, through our life groups, through our families, and that we get to celebrate uh, those people in our lives and the relationships that come as a result. So we're just thankful for the hope we have in Christ. My family and I are thankful for God's provision, His faithfulness, and all the laughter and good times that He has blessed us with. Uh, this year in 2020, I am super thankful for teachers. Um, not only the teachers that my kids have that are in sixth and fifth grade, but just the teachers that go to Westwind, just for their patience, their determination this year to make sure all the students are safe and just for being a light uh, in our school district. I'm thankful for the way that I've seen Westwind care for their neighbors and for the people in the church family. I've seen so many meal trains and gifts given to other people, even just a coffee from Starbucks can go a long way to share love and thankfulness with others during this time. So I've been blessed to see that in so many ways through Instagram, in person, hearing stories. And I'm glad to see that Westwind is being the body of Christ to other people. Hey church family, um, I'm thankful for my beautiful wife who is taking this video right now. Um, I'm thankful for 11 years of marriage with her. I'm thankful for the four children that God has given us. And I'm very tired, so I'm thankful for Kathy. Happy Thanksgiving. So happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Think positive. Happy Thanksgiving. So Jamie, you're, you caught me off guard this morning.
From the kids' talk to the video, way to go. Doesn't that encourage you, folks? That's what we're talking about. There's so much to be thankful for. Every good and perfect gift comes from our Father above, a Father of lights, and He doesn't discriminate. He blesses each and every one of us. I want you right now to think of one thing, one thing that just stands out to you, maybe just the past week or month, that you're so thankful for, the providence of God. One thing. And just say, God, thank you. You know what ours is? Our grandchild. Genesis Rose was born to our daughter Erin eight weeks ago. And oh my goodness, are we having fun. Just a gift. Providence of God. One of hundreds, if not thousands of things to be thankful for. Response number two. Be the one expressing gratitude for the mercy of God. So now we go from providence to mercy. Look at verses 12 and 13. The lepers stood at a distance. Remember, unclean, unclean, unclean. Don't get too close or you're going to be contaminated. They raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. By the way, just a side note. This is the only time the word master is used in all the Gospels and Luke is the only one using it. Why master? They looked at him differently. They looked at him as one who had authority, one who could heal, one who could do the very thing that they're asking, heal them of leprosy, give them relief, allow them to go back to their families and community, to work, to provide, to be productive, to get a hug from their wife, to get a hug from their children. Jesus, have mercy on us. That's what they're crying for. I want to show you the predicament these individuals are in. I have a catalog of photos from 1900s in Israel. It came from a group called the American Colony. And here's a couple photos of lepers living in communities. And folks, this is over 100 years ago, but it gives you a picture of what it might have been like 2,000 years ago. They're isolated. They're quarantined. They're living outside of what is just normal in society. And what do they do? Master Jesus, Lord, Savior, mercy, mercy. One of the beautiful truths in Scripture, it comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. It's one of the great titles of God. He is called the Father of all mercy. Think about that. Now, I suggested already that I believe a good number of these lepers are Jewish. One certainly is Samaritan. But undoubtedly, some of them knew Lamentations 3.22, a verse maybe very familiar to all of us, but hopefully this Thanksgiving might get a little bit more priority center of the radar screen. Let me share that with you. Because the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish. For his mercies never end. What a beautiful truth. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Think about it, folks. God's mercies never end. Every day you and I have the privilege to wake up and live and walk in the mercy of God. Do you need God's mercy today? I'll tell you, I'll be honest, I do. Why? I fall short of his glory quite a bit. Wrong thoughts, wrong speech, wrong actions, wrong motives. I fall short and I cry out, God, be merciful to me, Keith Missile, a sinner. That's the privilege you and I have. However, though, folks, we go through a lot of pain, a lot of trials, a lot of suffering in life. And when we do, where do we look for help? 
We look to the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth. Lord, be merciful to me in this painful setting. And God intervenes. He brings relief. Now look at verse 14. When Jesus saw them, he told them, go show yourself to the priests. And while they were going, they were healed. Here's the lesson. It's a takeaway because I think it's in all of Scripture. The lesson I think we learn from this Scenario, 10 lepers, one only given thanks. Never, ever forget your past predicament. Never, ever forget your past predicament. Think about it. You're living in isolation. You're quarantined. You're alone. You're separate. You can't work. You're slowly dying one limb, one hand at a time. This is a disease that killed in the ancient world. And all of a sudden, Christ intervenes. You're healed. And only one says, thank you. I think in all of Scripture, we are called to remember. This morning, we're going to celebrate communion. Why do we celebrate communion? Do this in remembrance of me. Why? I have a short-term memory. I can forget the benefits of God, Psalm 103. Do not forget his benefits. He forgives, he heals, he redeems, he satisfies. Never forget his benefits. That's what we have to remember. What was their predicament? Folks, it was the worst case scenario you could imagine in the ancient world, and now they're healed. Nine forgot. Only one remembers and comes back and offers thanksgiving. You know, let me paint one simple picture of always remembering our past predicament. The nation of Israel was in bondage for 400 years. It's slavery, folks, and it was hard. And what did they do? They cried out to the Lord for mercy. God heard their prayer, raised up Moses, sent a redeemer, a picture of Christ. But here's what we read in Deuteronomy. We read in Deuteronomy 4.20, but the Lord selected you, brought you out of Egypt, and listen to this phrase, iron furnace to be a people for his inheritance as you are today. Four times in the Old Testament, God uses the metaphor iron furnace to picture Egypt. Why iron furnace? In the ancient world as it is today, an iron furnace was hot. It was a place to melt metals. It was a place of toil, of sweat, of hardship, of pain. Four times, God says in the Old Testament, I brought you out of the iron furnace. Never forget your past predicament. And dear friends... Here's the truth for all of us. All we have to do is look back and remember some of our past predicament and say, God, thank you. You rescued me from that iron furnace. You rescued me, as Psalm 40 says, from the pit. You brought me up. You put my feet on solid ground. That's my story. To be rescued in Christ, what a gift to experience his mercy. And so... Here's the encouragement. When you wake up any given day and you want to be a people who turns thanksgiving into thanksgiving, what do you do? His mercies never end. They're new every morning. Learn Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Quote it. Live in that day by day. Experience his mercy. Third, be the one expressing gratitude for the glory of God. I love how this passage progresses and unfolds. Look at 15 and 16. But one of them, of course, we learned already, a Samaritan, a foreigner, seeing that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice, notice the phrase, 
gave glory to God. He fell face down at Jesus' feet, thanking him. And he was a Samaritan. Can I encourage you, if you're taking notes, just circle the word seeing. What was really unique about this one out of the ten is he saw things differently. The Bible talks about spiritual sight or spiritual insight. Literally having your eyes spiritually opened. Undoubtedly, this guy was healed physically like the other nine were, but now we know something else happened. He was healed spiritually. He had his spiritual eyes open. How do we know that? The first thing he does, he gives glory to God. The word there is doxano, where we get doxology. How many of you go back in your Christian faith 20, 30 years? Anybody that old like me? Just a few of you. Anybody ever remember when we worship God through giving, we pass the plates, the ushers would then come forward, put the plates on the communion table, and we would sing the doxology. Some of you are not in your head. You want me to try to sing that? I'm not very good. Nate, where are you? See if I'm on, I'm on key. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly host. And then we would drag it out. Amen. <laughs> I cannot believe I did that. <laughs> Woo! Man, that's 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 just risky business there, man. <laughs> Nate will tell you, I can't hear a thing. All right, so. So here's the encouragement today. Number one, gave glory to God. Number two, fell at the feet of Jesus. Please don't miss this, folks. This is worship. This is bowing in submission to the authority of the master Jesus. There's worship going on. We've seen this before, right? Women taking their hair and washing Jesus' feet, taking precious ointment worth a year's wages, uh, worshiping and honoring Jesus. That's what's going on here. And then it overflows with thanksgiving. Glory to God. Bowing down to worship, giving thanks. This guy's a believer. He had his heart transformed. He went from physical healing to spiritual healing. Emotionally, physically, psychologically, but most importantly, spiritually. What a beautiful testimony. Do you realize this idea of thankfulness and thanksgiving? is talked about over 150 times throughout the Bible. It's a dominant attribute of worshipers of God. And when we worship him, we'll worship him with a spirit of gratitude. We'll take a Thanksgiving holiday and turn it into thanks living. Thank you, God, for your providence. Thank you for your mercy. And hear how beautifully, thank you for your glory. You know, we heard already, I think, uh, from Jamie talking about experiencing God in creation. I mean, that's, that's part of his glory, right? Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. Every morning when we see the sunrise, or every evening when he see it set, or the moon's up there when it's quarter or full, wow, we stand in awe of the glory of God. Eyes wide open, that's what we're called to be. Be the one. And so finally, we tie it all together. Be the one expressing gratitude for the salvation of God. And, and see the progression in this passage, folks? Providence, which all people experience, and yet divine appointments. 
mercy, his glory, and now we see his salvation. Verses 17 through 19, Jesus said, hey, weren't 10 cleansed? Where are the nine? Didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he told them, get up and go on your way. And again, this phrase is so crucial to Luke. Your faith has made you whole. And friends, I've already alluded to the idea. They were all physically healed, but only one was spiritually healed. And there's a radical difference from being healed for uh, this life and for all eternity. And the lesson we have to embrace is this. Yes, Jesus was, was merciful. Yes, he was a God of provision and providence and blessing. But the ultimate gift in life, the ultimate reason we stand in awe of him and give him glory, bow down and worship and give thanks, is because of his great salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is what he came to do. That is exactly Luke's message. The Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Your faith has made you whole. And so, some went away freed of physical uh, debilitation, but only one went away free from sin. Free body, soul, and spirit to worship the one true God. And how does that happen? When your eyes are open, and when you have eyes of faith, and when you look at Jesus in the way he should be viewed as the Messiah, the Savior, the Master of the world, and this guy bows down, he puts his faith and trust in Christ, and that is the privilege each and every one of us have this Thanksgiving holiday. And so as we prepare for communion this morning, it really begs one question. Have you stood in awe of God through the work he's accomplished through Jesus Christ's son? Have you bowed down at his feet and submitted to his rule and reign in your life, his kingdom coming? Are you worshiping him as Lord and Savior? Are you standing in awe of him and offering thanksgiving for his ongoing blessings? Would Jesus say to you today, your faith has made you whole? Over four decades ago, I put my faith and trust in Christ, and boy, oh boy, the privilege to live these truths is just exceptional. And we want to encourage you this morning as we move into communion to be thinking about your personal faith journey. Do you know Jesus Christ personally? Have you confessed your sin, put your faith and trust in Christ? Are you a true worshiper? Has your faith made you whole? And so this morning, if you're here with us live, we want to invite you to take out a prepackaged communion cup. There's two seals on the prepackaged communion cup. The first one you peel off, you take out the wafer if you would do that. The next one, of course, is uh, to peel and prepare for the juice. I'll give you a few minutes at home to do the same. But as you're preparing, folks, can I share with you how communion is represented beautifully in this passage? Think about providence. Here's what Revelation 13:8 says. You know what it says about Jesus? That Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world. That's providence. God foreordained that his son would redeem us. He was slain from the foundation of the world. Think about his mercy. Jude says, 21, keep yourself in the love of God as we prepare to experience the mercy of the Lord. What a gift 
to experience God's mercy. New each day, great is his faithfulness. How about glory? In John chapter 17, Jesus says, Father, I've brought you glory on earth by completing the work you, you gave me to do. What was that work? It was Calvary. No surprises. And then finally, salvation. John 19, 30. It is finished, Jesus said at Calvary. What's finished? The work he came to do. Luke has taken us on a travelogue from Galilee through Samaria to Judea, but ultimately to Jerusalem and to Calvary. It is finished. What's finished? He purchased our salvation through his life, death, burial, and resurrection. And so as we celebrate communion together this morning, I want to encourage you to take the wafer out, the bread at home, to have the cup prepared. And these are two simple elements, but they el these are elements that represent those four beautiful truths. The providence of God, the mercy of God, the glory of God, and the salvation of God. And so at the Last Supper, Jesus took bread, he lifted it towards heaven, he gave thanks. He said, this is my body broken for you. Talk about providence. Let's eat together. At that same meal, this is the cup of the new covenant, shed in my blood, sealed in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's drink together. Join me in prayer, please. Father, we stand in awe of you, a God who provides all our needs according to your riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Father, we stand in awe of you because you're the Father of all mercy. Hallelujah. Father, we stand in awe of you because of your glory revealed certainly through creation, through revelation of your word, but ultimately through Christ, we beheld his glory, John says. And Father, we stand in awe of you for your great salvation through Jesus Christ. So thank you this morning for the privilege of the gift of faith that makes us whole. Help our thanksgiving, Lord, to turn into thanks living. Help us to be the one, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together.